This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by a voracious reader, <laughs> Richard Blackaby. Uh, yeah, not a vicious reader. Uh, no. Voracious. Yeah, voracious. Yeah. Um, we've got a stack of books here. <laughs> if you could, uh, if you could see what I'm seeing, it's yeah. you know. Don't maybe... sneeze, uh, Sam. You could bring the whole thing <laughs> tumbling down on me. Yeah. Altogether, this is probably uh, you know, it's maybe. Three and a half, four feet of of uh, <laughs> books stacked uh, on top of each other precariously. Precariously. Um, yeah. So we're we're doing a. We've talked a lot about reading here on the podcast before, and we do periodic uh, book reviews, um, primarily in the area of leadership. But we've been known to wander, and uh, so what we thought we'd do today is, uh, Richard. You know, you um, you are a uh, a very uh, uh, well-read individual, I, I guess I would say, and uh, you do a lot of reading each year, and I thought it might be kind of neat to just kind of look behind the curtain and see wh- what are some standout books of, of 2021 that you've read that you would recommend and why you'd recommend them, who you think sh- should read them, uh, maybe a little bit about um, each book, and then also so we've got a stack of books that you, you've kind of got on the on the docket, the to-read list or started reading, haven't finished yet. And uh, so we just kind of go through this list and tell us a little bit about each book. Some of these we've done whole podcasts on before, so they may be familiar to some of our, our listeners, but uh, we just thought we'd kind of do a rapid fire of, uh, of great books that you would uh, recommend as we uh, are still in the early days of 2022. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, this is kind of a different uh, one. I wish that this probably could be video and I could kind of show these books, but we'll have links to them. And uh, I, to be honest with you, just full disclosure, this is probably a lighter read year for me because uh, it was a really heavy writing year for me. And when I'm doing a lot of writing uh, every evening that I might have spent some time reading, I'm sitting there cranking stuff out of my laptop instead. Right. So. So in some ways, this is probably a lighter year, but... Uh, yeah, so it probably, sounds like you're just trying to make excuses yeah, for basically. your lack of reading. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but let me share, still give you kind of a, a glimpse, at least, uh, of some of the variety that I was a part of. A um, couple, uh, maybe uh, I could begin and just say, like, I, I read uh, uh, earlier this year Beyond Order by Jordan Peterson, and I we did a podcast just on one of his... Uh, rules for life. But um, Jordan Peterson did an earlier book I read uh, last year on um, the uh, 12 rules for life. And now this one is a sequel. But Peterson, of course, is uh, a, a therapist. Um, he He's deep into psychology and archetypes and uh, brainiac kind of person. Um, and uh, I wouldn't call him an evangelical Christian. Uh, he's still, I think, searching for what God means to him. He has a lot of psychology and evolution and philosophy all tangled up in there that he's trying to sort out. But uh, but he does have a lot of practical uh, psychological approaches uh, to life. A lot of times you realize he's coming at it from maybe a psychological background, but uh, it sure lines up with a lot of what the Bible says. Yeah. And uh, so that was interesting. He, he's a he's a pretty uh, smart uh, person and uh, 
And so you kind of have to read him a little bit slowly, but he tells lots of stories uh, that kind of puts handles on it. And uh, he digs into Greek mythology and Egyptian mythology and so on, Persian. And so uh, he, he can go all over the place. He's got a pretty bra- uh, broad width. and uh, Yeah, I wouldn't think that's a necessarily what I'd call light reading. No, no, it's not. And, and it's a pretty uh, big book, too. Yeah, and uh, I think it's over 400 pages and... And there's another book that's a very different kind of read, but uh, it's similar in, in a sense in the focus. And uh, it's a book by David Benner called The Gift of Being Yourself. And we actually did a podcast on this book as well. But it takes, a, again, kind of an interesting approach. It's not, it's not nearly as big of a read. Um, but essentially, he says you, you need to know yourself and not the false view of yourself, not the the self that you try to project to others, but truly know yourself. And that sounds fairly simplistic. And yet, well, I tell you, there's a lot of folks that really struggle to to know who they are. And uh, they have a kind of a, a view of themselves, of who they wish that they were, that they try to project on others, but it's not necessarily mm. their true self. And but he says some things that I think are interesting in that regard because he is coming from a Christian perspective and uh, and he says things like, you know, because we would tend to think, well, what really matters is God and it, and what God wants to do in your life and you shouldn't be self-focused, you should be God-focused, which is all true. Uh, but his point is uh, it's hard to be surrendered to God until you know what you're surrendering mm. or... Um, you know, you can say that you give all that you are to God, but do you even know what that is? Do you know what you're giving? Um, and so he would, in many ways, he would come back to say, um, you can't be, if you're going to be intimately involved with, in knowing God, you have to know yourself as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little, goes a little bit against me what you'd think. You'd think, well, the key is God. It's all God. But, um, but he he makes he, he makes an interesting case uh, for the fact that to truly know God you have to know yourself also, um, and so kind of interesting read. I like kind of reading people that um, you know they don't take a long time in some of these books. Like what I find is with some books they they basically have one major point that they're making, and I know people that stretch one point into four hundred pages, <laughs> and that's and and I kind of in, I've actually tried to shift a bit more to some of that kind of writing myself, where uh, instead of trying to do this comprehensive cover the waterfront, uh, you you just kind of read you you write very specifically to make a a primary point and illustrate it, back it up and kind of leave it there. And those are the kind of books that it, people tend to be reading more of anyway. Mm-hmm. So maybe going back, um, and you've read this one too, but uh, there's another book that uh, we read in our book club uh, by Truman called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And that yeah. is a tome. Yeah, that's, that is that's deep. Certainly not light reading. No, <laughs> that might have been one of the toughest books, I think, that um, we read this year. Yeah, probably um, read that one with a dictionary. Uh, yeah, I, I and... actually did some some searches uh, on Google because he's mentioning different philosophical approaches and schools and ethical schools that I was not really familiar with. And he has a couple of ethicists that uh, he draws heavily upon, and I don't know if I'd heard of any of them, but yeah. Um, but he does make a very interesting case, and I mean, again, this is not for uh, the faint of heart, but uh, it is a very exhaustive case. Uh, basically, 
when he says in, in, in his beginning, he'll say something like, um, if, if he reads a statement now and a, and a man says, I am a woman in a man's body, trapped in a man's body, mm-hmm. um, then Truman says, how, not only how did, how did society get to the place where we could, someone could say that, but even more so, how did we get to the place in society where someone could say that and we weren't shocked by it or, I mean, we basically understood what he was saying right, right. Uh, and accepted that as true. Um, and he says, because that's not the way that, you know, if someone had said that 100 years ago, they, he might have been locked up in an insane asylum somewhere. But uh, now uh, things have changed. And so he... In one sense, he's not necessarily trying to judge that. He's just saying, but how did we get to where that kind of statement is now commonplace? And so he he looks at philosophers and poets and the the people that had an influence on culture and says, you know, and he traces and shows you step by step. Yeah, that this didn't just come out of the... uh the 60s and 70s right. and, and the hippie movement or anything right. like that. Like this goes way back. Yeah, and it does kind of uh, alert you as well that even something as innocuous as like a poet, you think, well, how could a poet have any impact on my life and, and my culture today? Um, but he, he makes pretty strong cases to show where uh, when things get said enough times, they start to leave an impression. And so yeah. interesting kind of academic book. It's the kind of book that you'd read in a PhD seminar. I mean, it's high level uh, book. Um, but again, it's, it's kind of a, he's a Christian and he's trying to just help us understand, not, not necessarily to accept it or agree with it, but just to see the progression. How yeah, we got there. how we got to where we are in today's yeah. culture. So interesting read, but again, you, you, you've got to be, uh, a serious Take some reader diligence to read that one, yeah. Work your way through, um, and, and maybe one more on that on that uh, sort of framework, and that's um, actually by uh, someone that used to be a professor for me. His name is Dwayne Garrett. Uh, he's a he's a head of the Old Testament uh, department at Southern Seminary now, but uh, he wrote an interesting book called "The Problem of the Old Testament," and um, I found that very interesting. Um, I had. I'd read a book earlier that basically tried to say that um, the Old Testament was no no longer relevant to modern Christians, that the Old Testament was basically written for uh, the Jews, for the nation of Israel, and that um, now we just needed the New Testament. We're New Testament Christians, not Old Testament Christians. And uh, a lot of very prominent uh, Christian leaders and pastors hold to that view, and uh, and so I, I really enjoyed reading Garrett. And of course, again, it's um, he, he's a scholar. He's a bright person. Uh, but he's trying to say, um, you know, there's also danger sometimes when you read the Old Testament and you just you just accept everything without any understanding of its context, what who he's God's writing to, mm-hmm. uh, what was the purpose of this uh, prophetic book, and so on. And, and I think for most of us as Christians, we probably would say we're, you know, we get into some pretty thin uh, water or, you know, uh, ice at times when it comes to understanding some of the Old Testament and what was this about. Yeah. And, and there are times where you read things that God is saying and you think, wow, that really sounds nothing like Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, there yeah. have been those who said that 
in one way or another, they basically argued that there was an Old Testament God and a New Testament God, and Jesus represented the New Testament God and this angry, vengeful, wrathful Old Testament God that destroyed cities and told Israelites to wipe every living creature off the planet uh, is somehow a different God. And so this is a very interesting read, um, the problem of the Old Testament, where Garrett, I, I feel for the most part, there's one or two places I might push back a bit on, but I'm certainly not the the Hebrew scholar that he is or uh, the, the Bible student he is. Um, and and for the most part, uh, he he tends to not kind of shy away from the difficult uh, passages. He'll yeah, and he tries not to also just give e- easy answers, uh, but to wrestle with the text and try to stay true to what it means. And so, well, I think for so many people, you know, the Old Testament is kind of a big question mark or kind of a scary place to to go and and try and make sense of it. So I think. Something like that could be very helpful, and yeah. at least putting into context, you know, what is the Old Testament? And what relevance does it have uh, for today's Christian? Yeah, I very much so. And so, uh, a couple other books I read. Uh, I read a couple of biographies, not as many as I would have liked to this year. Again, at because because um, you read anything other than a biography is that's <laughs> that's too that's uh, not enough. Yeah, I, there's uh, <laughs> so two that I read. Um, one is uh, by Ian Murray called The Life of Martin Lloyd-Jones. And uh, if you're not familiar with Jones, he, he lived from 1899 to 1981, uh, was a pastor of a church in London, and uh, was uh, he was a Calvinist. Uh, he was uh, a, a pastor that preached uh, scripture and just basically felt like if you would just... Um, if you would just faithfully teach God's word um, and help people to apply it to their life, that uh, that God will use that powerfully. And there were a lot of folks uh, that were deeply impacted by his ministry over the years. People like J.I. Packer uh, were deeply influenced by him when he was a young man. And um, a lot of the who's who of, of influential evangelicals later were deeply impacted by him. But just an interesting read. Uh, there's a lot of um, kind of biblical insights along the way that I found quite interesting. And uh, if you're a pastor, and I think there is more to pastoring than just simply preaching biblical sermons and teaching. But uh, but but watch a person that had a deep uh, sense of integrity uh, about his life. I'm going to write a, up a uh, in, on my blog site. I'm going to do a book review about this as soon as I have some time. And there's another uh, book, and I we did do a podcast on this one, so I won't take as much time. But it's on it's an autobiography uh, by John G. Patton, uh, missionary to the New Hebrides, and of course, in when he went there in about 1858, it was uh, inhabited by by cannibals, and uh, he. He leaves Scotland uh, and goes uh, to a very forsaken place, very ravaged by disease and uh, malaria and other things. His new bride uh, is giving birth to their first child, and both she and the baby die. All kinds of people, missionaries die. He's about the only missionary left alive when he finally leaves about five years later. Uh, And he's basically surrounded by cannibals all wanting to kill him and eat him. And uh, and he, he just realizes his position at that time is untenable to stay there. And so he he uh, f- 
doesn't go back home. He, he basically moves to a different island, and eventually that island is completely converted pretty well to, to Christianity. And ultimately, people come back and build on the foundation where he built in his, on his first island, and uh, a strong work ultimately develops there as well. But uh, I'll tell you, I just, you know, it, it's a, this is actually a book that was out of print, and uh, there is a, a publisher that, um, that comes back and takes some books that they see has some real message and merit, and they republish them. It's actually called, called uh, Forgotten Books, uh, I think is uh, maybe the name of hmm. their publishing company. But uh, again, it really challenged me uh, you just need to get around people sometimes that are obvious. I mean, they're not perfect. Uh, they've got their own struggles, their own humanity that they have to overcome. Uh, some things that they probably would do over if they could. But um, but you find people that took their walk with God very seriously, and they take the gospel very seriously. People's need to hear it, and uh, so powerful, uh, powerful book. Um, I I kind of just was reminded because I read a lot of biographies of. Uh, generals and and you know emperors and kings and other people uh, uh, political leaders uh, political so forth, yeah. you know business leaders but uh sometimes just reading a, these two biographies both run very strong christian leaders um and i just i i enjoyed that i enjoyed just putting my life next to theirs and uh hoping that some things rubbed off on me and one other one uh not a biography but uh, a, a, a different kind of book as well uh, was by Andrew Murray. Uh, Andrew Murray, of course, was a pastor in South Africa, uh, pastored several churches there throughout the course of his career, wrote many, many books. And um, I would say, you know, if you see an Andrew Murray book, you just need to buy it and read it. He, he, he um, is, is pretty easy to follow. He just speaks on the Christian life um, in a really engaging way. But um, but he, this book, probably one of his best known, was called with was called um, "With Christ in the School of Prayer," and uh, mm. he has several books on prayer. But this one is maybe one of his best, and just basically unpacks what prayer is, uh, and I, almost as if this great uh, Christian leader were trying to tell you, okay, just walk with me, and I'm going to teach you what it means to pray. And uh, has, he has some great insights. You know, you you wonder sometimes when you read an older book like this, you kind of think in one one sense, okay, these guys who were discovering stuff and saying it for the first time back in like the 1800s, well, that stuff should all be well known now. You know, like it's like if you read yeah. a book on prayer now in the 21st century, it, when you ought to just when you read a guy like Murray, you should just say, oh yeah, well everybody knows that. You know, yeah. that's been around for ages. You no, know? but but somehow a lot of these insights get passed over or missed yeah. or forgotten or uh, somehow they you know they had their day and you you kind of move on with some new insight and so you go back and read these books that are 150 years old and and it's like wow like where did this guy come up with this stuff and it's mm -hmm. actually been out a long time it's just that the modern books don't highlight a lot of it and so it's kind of like when when musicians uh, discover old hymns and put a new tune to it you know and it's like you think it's just the best thing out there, and you realize that, that, that it was originally written hundreds of years ago. Right. But, yeah. Um, and so, you know what? The, the, when it comes to prayer, I I think we make a mistake when we think that we just know basically all that we need <laughs> to know about that. Um, yeah. There's just a whole lot. Uh, I I think 
if if there was one skill or exercise that Christians ought to regularly hone up on and try to keep sharp in, it would be in their prayer life. And uh, so, not a bad thing just every year to read at least one book on prayer. But yeah, uh, but that is probably one of the best out there uh, if you just want to read a classic book on prayer. Um, and so, just kind of looking at some of the other ones on the list here. Um, I, there's a, I did a, we did a thing as well Two two of the books that we did a podcast on one is gentle and lowly by Ortland. Again, just to look at Jesus and, and God basically to say that God is not just a wrathful, judgmental, angry God, but that when Jesus basically, uh, and Ortland says the only time Jesus basically described his own character, he, he called himself gentle and lowly. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll tell you, in our society today, there's a, a lot of um, angry Christians, uh, very polemical kind of, um, we, we want to go to war against uh, those we disagree with. Yeah. And uh, Not a lot of gentle and lowly Christians no, out there, it, it seems. No, it seems, somehow it seems weak <laughs> and almost as if you're caving in if, you're, if you act gentle and lowly. There's yeah. something powerful, though. When the very Son of God came to earth, uh, that he chose that route uh, right. all the way to a cross. And uh, Ortland is also very Calvinistic, and he uh, quotes a lot from the Puritan writers. And I'll tell you what, if nothing else, you, I think we all need to have some exposure to the Puritans. And yeah. and this is a good kind of introductory book to that. Uh, it makes you want to get books on the Puritans and read them after you read this book. Uh, they just, Puritans had a way of just, chewing the marrow uh, and, you know, really just getting all the meat off the bone of a, of a scripture verse. And so Puritans were famous for writing 400-page books on, you know, one psalm or something, or like one right, verse in a right. psalm almost. And so um, it, can, it can seem overdone, but it, at the same time, it can also really encourage you to think, wow, there's just a whole lot more here than I was yeah, looking at. Very meditative. Yeah, and so we did a podcast as well on uh, Karen Swallow Pryor recently on uh, on reading well, and so I won't take much time on that. But uh, that was another book that was good. And we did a podcast as well on uh, my my uh, uh, my literary agent Robert Wolgamuth, who wrote the book uh, Gun Lap, and we actually interviewed him on that uh, on that book, just talking about um, what do you do in your life. Um, as you get to like in your fifties, sixties, you're, you're, you've, you've lived quite a bit of your life. You still have lots of life to live, but, um, but how do you kind of end well? Do you, do you end the race still sprinting all out, uh, or are you kind of loping along or limping along or calling for a medic, uh, you know? Um, and so that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, it's, I, I, I try like a kind of said to, spread it around, um, try to read books that, um, that are a challenge to me. Um, maybe just to mention one, two last ones. Well, I did finish, uh, one of my only fiction books all year. Uh, but it was a, it was a sizable fiction book. It was, called <laughs> it was. the, uh, Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. It's like 1243 pages. I was uh, at the beach recently and just thought I'm going to take that with me and that'll be my relax uh, time uh, book. And, um, you know, it's quite interesting. Of course, quite a famous book. Uh, And, you know, looking a lot at revenge, uh, at uh, hope when things seem hopeless, Mm -hmm. 
wondering why does God let people suffer? Uh, you know, a lot of issues kind of it, it, it delves into. And uh, of course, you know, it's, it's, it, a lot, I mean, there's times where it kind of gets into some philosophical discussions and so on, but for the most part, especially the first couple hundred pages, uh, it just seems so tragic. Uh, and you just see the evil of people and the selfishness and, uh, how it causes suffering for others. And, uh, and people living with regret, um, living with secrets, living with uh, broken relationships that come back to haunt them, and so interesting, interesting read. Um, you know, uh, I'll tell you what: if you ever just want to feel really proud of yourself, take on a twelve hundred and forty-three page book, and uh, when you're done, you want to just kind of leave that lying around on your coffee table or something, yeah, and everyone who says, "Oh, it. where's that? I, I, I didn't. I should have put that away after I finished reading every yeah. oh, word of every twelve hundred and." Yeah, no, pages, tell us. But... You, so you did read all of it then, all 1,243 pages. Yeah. So you got to work that in somehow. Yeah, uh, exactly. And well, let's, uh, I think maybe we'll take a break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll look at some of the ones that you've got on deck and uh, uh, what, uh, what you're excited to read coming up here. If you've ever wanted to learn how to ask better questions to help move people onto God's agenda, then we have two spiritual leadership coaching workshops coming up uh, that can help you do that. One of them is going to be online only, and that's February 28th to March 2nd, and it's going to meet online from 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time uh, each day, and uh, there'll be dynamic breakout rooms uh, in Zoom for that, and there'll be an in-person coaching workshop uh, that's going to meet on the south side of Atlanta from May 2nd to May 4th. And uh, both of these will be training people to ask better questions to help move people onto God's agenda. So even if you don't think you're a coach, uh, but if you deal with people, these workshops can be very beneficial to help you become a better listener and a better communicator and help move people to where God wants them to be. We'll leave links to both of these workshops uh, in the show notes, and you can find out more um, at blackbeecoaching.org and at checkout you can use code earlybird that's all one word no space at checkout for a little early bird discount uh, in your registration so we hope to see you at one of these two spiritual leadership coaching workshops well Richard uh, it's been nice kind of looking looking back at some of these uh, books from from last year and what you've what you've read and you know my goodness a 1243 page novel you know that's no no wonder i didn't read more books this year, <laughs> last year. that's no small feat I'm so, no. I'm so proud of you for reading that <laughs> that novel and it's really the under the unabridged yeah i know but let's make be clear yeah, that the abridged version is only 400 and some pages yeah. and i did have that but i was shamed into reading yeah. the full well, unabridged. you know lesser people would read a yeah. the abridged version that's, but not you no you did the no. full i i always take all the, the high pages. road on those yeah <laughs> well let's <laughs> Uh, in the last few minutes we have here, uh, some books that you, maybe you've already started and, and are kind of looking forward to uh, reading in the new year. Yeah, and there's several books. And there's a couple that I, I, I started last year that I didn't finish, and I might mention one or two of those. Um, well, I don't want to call you a quitter necessarily. No, but... and I, so that's why they're on my desk. I don't yeah. intend to quit. It's actually yeah. a sickness of mine. I, For the most part, I'll... Th- that stack just keeps getting it's higher got, It's got to be and... bad for me not to finish <laughs> the whole book, uh, and so I plan to do that. But one, one that's not a bad book, but it's uh, by uh, Paul David Tripp, uh, Dangerous Calling, uh, t- writing to pastors. And uh, 
he has some good things to say in there. It, what was kind of fascinating about that book, if you are a pastor, is that uh, the original version, at least the one that I bought, there were five endorsements by uh, pastors, Christian leaders, uh, saying how important this book was, because being a pastor was a very challenging calling. And what was ironic, of course, about that was that three of the pastors who endorsed the book ended up having to leave the ministry themselves right. after endorsing the book. Uh, the, the only thing, I, I, this is the first book I've read, written, uh, read by Tripp, and I, I, again, I think he has a lot of great things to say. I, I'm just not necessarily, I, I get lost a little bit in his style. I feel like it's a bit repetitive, and he's the kind of guy that he sort of piles up um, this kind of, it's almost like instead of saying things one way, he'll say it three ways, and he's basically saying the same thing, but just in different ways, and I just, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of that style. It's like, just say it once, keep moving on. Um, yeah. it, with with your wife or my wife editing, they would have cut out uh, two-thirds of what I'd, if I, that had been me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's one book. There's a couple other books that I've, I'm into, I haven't finished yet. One is Quiet by Susan Cain. I do, I do plan on finishing this one. It's one of those that kept, not that I wasn't finding it interesting, I just... Um, I would have something else more pressing. I had to stop and read first, but uh, it's a whole book on introverts and yeah, not I've, really I've heard of that being one. an introvert. I, I just felt like it was good to understand it. And boy, she makes a strong case. Uh, and I, I think it, it's a great read actually for people. I do intend to finish this one because, um, you know, a lot of times if you're an introvert, you're seen as just not very friendly, you know, <laughs> or you're just, you don't care about people and it's, yeah. uh, or you don't have much to say. And she says so many things that we just presume, uh, extroverts are just immediately seen as more friendly. They, they may not be any more friendly. They're, they're just, just more talkative. They're more talk. They just <laughs> like to talk. Um, and so an interesting read. Uh, also, I've just about finished uh, uh, the book by Rodney Stark on the rise of Christianity. And again, I, I, I got into that a while ago and then uh, just just had a bunch of other things to read. So th that one will also get knocked off here this year. But um, interesting book about just from a sociologist perspective, how Christianity really rose uh, into prominence and grew. A book I've never, I just confess to you here in the seat of confessional, I've never read from start to finish, but I really want to, is uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. And mm. uh, he's a German. It's I can written hear from the gas. German into <laughs> yeah, scandalous. It's considered <laughs> such a classic. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've underlined tons of stuff in the first uh, third or so of the book. Just, again, one of those books you put down, uh, you know, you put down and then you get swept up in other things. But I know I need to finish that book, uh, and I will. And then there's a book, it's a biography that I, I also started a little while ago, not just a month or two ago, but it's by N.T. Wright, who's a New Testament scholar, and it's a biography on the Apostle Paul. And uh, interesting, uh, interesting approach. He writes it like a biography, you know, based on scripture and then just anything else that he can pull into it. But Wright is, is really considered one of the top uh, New Testament scholars today. He's based in uh, at Oxford University right now, but um, interesting, just trying to look at Paul as a person and what made, you know, what put him together. We, yeah. sometimes he's, he looms larger than life in the Bible, but, uh, trying to just sort of unpack what it would have been like for him in that day. Yeah. Uh, and maybe just a couple books that I'm, I'm going to be getting to. I just actually had a, uh, a book by Mark Miller sent to me, I think yesterday, 
called Smart Leadership. It's a brand new book he wrote. Uh, I think he had it sent to me. Miller, of course, is, uh, he's a leadership guru at uh, Chick-fil-A, their headquarters. Uh, he's written a number of books on leadership. And so that looks interesting. I'd like to, I'll probably take that with me on my next trip and try to get into that. My, my problem as I get older is I, I start delving into about 10 books at once and then I just yeah. dip here and dip there and finish, eventually finish them all. But yeah. I used to just plow through one at a time and I don't know, I, now I get distracted and just have so many things I'm interested in. I also just picked up recently a book. It's a little bit, it's a couple years old, but I finally got one uh, by Brian Jones called The Emperor Domitian. And Domitian was, of course, a Roman emperor, probably around the time of John when he wrote the book of Revelation. And yeah. there's a lot of debate about you know, how much persecution of the church did Domitian bring about? Um, I've, I've tried to, to pick up uh, biographies on a lot of the, especially the prominent Roman emperors uh, yeah. from Augustus and even Caesar before that, up uh, through to Domitian at least. I've got one on Hadrian and Trajan still to read, uh, and uh, Marcus Aurelius, I've also got one on him I haven't read yet. But uh, I, I'm kind of curious because a lot of when you read the book of Revelation, some of those, uh, some of the persecutions coming on the church, um, it, it, it's sort of enlightening to see kind of what was going on in Rome at the time. Right. Um, and a couple of leadership books that I'd like to get into as well, uh, two that have been out for a couple of years, but I know you've read at least one, maybe both of them. One is the by Daniel Kahneman, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Yeah. You read that book, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, and I, I know it's highly recommended, and I want to get to it. It's, a, it's kind of a thicker book, it looks like, uh, so yeah, it, I'll probably it, have to take a run at it. I would say it's uh, sort of in the vein of, or at least sort of the, to tackle it, it's kind of like the... Um, Rise and fall of the, or rise and triumph of the modern self. Oh, really? So it's it's a it's a bit more academic. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 dense for sure, and, but and it's really some, fascinating. Because I I was never that good at science, but uh, you know a lot of the I I find it still is helpful for me to kind of plow through some of that, especially the yeah. psychology, but also some. Well, of it's other just stuff. really interesting, and it's, it's got a lot of application. I think to yeah. leaders. I think and, we'll probably unpack that book uh, once yeah. I've read it. <laughs> we can. Uh, another one that I think is a little maybe a little bit on that uh, category as well as uh, Daniel Levitin, uh, The Organized Mind. And you've, yeah. you've listened to that. You've, you've been exposed to that in some way. Was yeah, that... I feel like I, it was probably through a podcast, but I don't think I've... Uh... I don't think I've read that yeah, one. I think you your might, son you Mike might have suggested it, but, but it's, yeah. the, the, the subtitle is "Thinking Straight in the Age of Information Overload." And so the idea yeah. of so much coming at you in so many different directions, uh, but how do you kind of keep your thinking in a straight, you know, right. progression? That looks interesting. And um, a couple other biographies that I've I've had uh, for a little while that I'd like to get to. One is uh, on uh, the life of Bismarck, Otto von Bismarck, who basically led uh, Prussia to become the, the superpower of the German states and uh, helped Kaiser Wilhelm to uh, become powerful that led ultimately up to the World War I. Uh, I've got a biography on Peter the Great uh, by Robert Massey that looks interesting. Uh, and also I've got a biography on Louis XIV I've wanted to read for a while. Just I think I started that one and then got uh, hijacked at some point by something more pressing. <laughs> uh, that happens yeah. now and then. Yeah. Um, and uh, also I had started a while, not I, I think earlier in the year, I, I started digging in about halfway through The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. Mm -hmm. Sproul uh, died 
a while back, and it kind of inspired me to read kind of his classic, and uh, I'd like to get back to that, and I'll, I'll certainly finish that one as well. Um, so lots and lots of books out there to read. I, I, I'm, I'm like a, really a kid in a candy store. When I start yeah. looking at all the books, I still want to read. And I, There's just I so many. It's if I had a life. year or two, I could just sit here in my recliner in my office and just read all day long and yeah. uh, how uh, rich that would be. But yeah. uh, we, we did a podcast recently on just uh, intentionality and focus and being purposeful. And so I, I kind of like to pull some of these books out, keep them where I see them. Uh, it's just a reminder, uh, you know, hey, don't just sit there and, you know, kind of kill time on the internet the last hour of the evening. Go turn all that off and pick up a, a good book and, and dig in. Or every time I fly somewhere, try to knock off a book if I can. Yeah. And um, I, I, some are much better at that than I, I some literally read a book a day almost. Uh, yeah. I don't have that much time, uh, but I certainly feel like I could be maybe a little more intentional to... Because uh, I, I I read basically underlining words and sentences and pulling out quotes and summarizing books when I'm done and uh, because I want to you know want to get as much from it as I can uh, to to draw upon later, but uh, I, I guess I just would want to encourage all of our listeners get your own list. Uh, yeah. I mean you don't have to read the books I'm reading, but I just wanted you to kind of hear a little bit about just the process of kind of spreading it around. If you're a leader. Always have a book on leadership that you're into. Uh, never hurts to do a, read a book, a biography of a leader, see what they actually did, get inside their mind. Yeah. Uh, and then some Christian um, discipline like prayer or something else, uh, just to be exposed uh, to something that speaks straight into your Christian life. Right. Uh, and uh, so much that uh, you could benefit from. There's so many rich materials out there. Uh, have some book that don't, don't don't ever go on a trip. Don't ever go waiting to pick someone up at the airport uh, without. Don't don't go to a doctor's office uh, where you have to wait forty five minutes to see the doctor. Have a book with you and seize the moment, and you might just read something that changes your life. Yeah, well, uh, we'd love to hear your. Um our listeners uh, feedback yeah. on on this list and if, suggest if you, a book if you yeah. read a book that's just really awesome uh let me know i'll, yeah. I'll, or I'll reach be happy out to, to order it and read it yeah you can email us <laughs> podcast at blackaby.org or you can reach out to uh, richard on twitter uh we'd love to get your recommendations and also your thoughts on any of these titles that we've mentioned and, and you know we may make this an annual thing just kind of you know, it's it's a little bit different, but I, I thought it'd be fun to just kind of see what's in your current library and and what's uh, on your mind. So yeah. thanks for walking us through these, and uh, I mean, it's going to take. I've got me... to read these books, and I've, <clears throat> I've I put myself on the line. Well, now. hopefully you can. Uh, you know, it, I, I'll be done linking to all these books <laughs> by the time you finish reading them. So uh, until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.